with me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We've been talking together this month about celebrating Christmas. A few weeks ago we talked about celebrating Christmas on your knees, worshiping Jesus like the wise men did. And the next week we talked about celebrating Jesus with beautiful feet, going to others and telling them about Jesus Christ and the good news concerning Him. And last night we talked about celebrating Christmas around the Lord's table, remembering that Jesus was born to die. And we're going to complete the series uh, this morning by celebrating Christmas in our hearts. And I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to ask you this morning if you're physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Parenthetically, you would be too. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now focus on verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we are so grateful, Lord, for this day. Lord, Christmas Day, the Lord's Day, the day when we celebrate the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would draw near to us in these few moments as we look into your word. Remind us of some wonderful truths and realities and capture our hearts with those truths and realities. And Lord, may we truly on this day worship Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Of course, Luke chapter 2 is a very familiar passage of scripture And I want to focus in on one of my favorite verses from the Christmas narrative, verse 19, when it explains uh, Mary's, um, Mary's interaction with all that was happening. It says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And there's a contrast here, because notice 
verse 19 starts with the word but. So it's contrasting what was previously said. And the contrast is between the corporate response and Mary's personal response. So look at the corporate response in verse 18. All who heard it wondered. They were in wonder at what the shepherds told them. About the angels and the announcement and Jesus, the, the, the child in the swaddling cloth and a manger. People were wondering at this. But there's a difference. Mary was beyond just wondering. Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, that's a very interesting verse. There's a lot of, a lot of information there. But that word, uh, treasuring, is the Greek word suntereo. Uh, it means to exert mental effort in storing information so as to have continual access and use of it. And so what we see here is Mary is giving mental effort thinking about the events surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. And she's storing it away in her heart and her mind so she can have continual access to those truths that she is uh, treasuring. And then it says she was pondering them in her heart. The word pondering in the original language is a type of contemplation that attempts to put thoughts together into an understandable whole. The word is sumbalo. It means to give careful consideration to various implications of an issue. It means to reflect on, to think about, seriously, to think deeply about. In other words, this word speaks of deep reflection. And so Mary is treasuring. She's storing this information away so she can think about it continually. And she is, she's pondering, she's thinking through not just the events, but the implications of those events. And it's all happening in her mind and her heart. Deep, deep reflection on the events surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. And the contrast word there, that first word in verse 19, but it indicates that Mary reflected on the events, listen to this, in a way the crowds did not. The crowds were wondering. Awesome events. Angels and shepherds and mangers and swaddling cloths. But Mary was thinking about these events in a different way. And so I want us to be like Mary this morning. I want us just to go beyond just the wonder of the events. And I want us to think deeply about what those events mean. The implications of those events. It's almost like saying, that's awesome. Versus, why is that awesome? See the difference there? The crowds, the the people hearing the shepherds, that's awesome. They were in wonder. Mary is treasuring and pondering in her heart. Why is that awesome? What's so amazing about these events? And so we want to celebrate Christmas this morning just for a few moments like Mary. We want to think deeply about Christ and his birth. Now, what specifically... Was she treasuring and pondering in her heart? Well, the Bible tells us there in verse 19. Look what it says. Mary treasured up, look at this phrase, all these things. Everyone see that? All these things. And so the previous uh, passage gives us some indication as to what she was treasuring and, and, and pondering. Uh, the birth of her child, the announcement, all of that she's treasuring and pondering all these things. And I think... Uh, maybe not in an exhaustive manner, but, but I think we can summarize some things based upon the Christmas narrative earlier in Luke that she was treasuring and pondering. So let me give you three realities that Mary was treasuring and pondering on this day and that I want us to treasure and ponder together for Christmas. First of all, she was treasuring and pondering angelic announcements. Angelic announcements. 
verse 17, it says, When they, the shepherds, saw it, the baby lying in a manger, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They let Mary and Joseph know, Hey, we just heard an announcement from angels. And they were talking about this angelic announcement. And surely, as Mary is treasuring and pondering all these things, she's thinking about those angelic announcements. Now, it's fascinating to see how involved angels were in the birth narrative. If you just kind of walk through uh, the first couple chapters of Matthew and the first couple chapters of Luke, you see there are angels everywhere. And it's really fascinating to see. For example, if you look there in your notes, angels appear to Zechariah. Zechariah was the husband of Elizabeth, the father of John the Baptist. And if you remember, they weren't able to have children, but Zechariah was ministering in the temple as a priest, and an angel appeared to him and told him he and Elizabeth were going to have a son who would be the forerunner for Christ. John the Baptist, who would prepare the way, saying, Hey, one is coming after me, who is the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. And so an angel appeared to Zechariah to set the stage for John the Baptist, who would set the stage for Jesus. So angels are involved right at the very beginning of this unfolding story. Also, Mary, in Luke 1, verses 26 through 38, encounters an angel, the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel announces to her, that she would give birth to a son even though she was a virgin. And of course, she didn't understand how this could happen. And he explained to her the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and knit the, the baby in her womb as, as Jesus Christ left the splendor and glory of heaven and took on human flesh in her womb. And so the angel appeared to Mary, and Mary was perplexed, but she finally, in submission, she was an extraordinary young lady, in submission to the Lord, Mary says, be it, done according to your, uh, be it done to your servant according to your word. She submitted to the Lord's will for her life. And an angel appeared to Mary. Also, an angel appeared to Joseph over in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Because the angel had to explain to Joseph, Listen, your fiancé, whom you're not married to yet, has not known a man, she's going to have a baby. And, and that would need some explaining, right? For Joseph to understand that. And the angel appears to Joseph and explains that, that, that this baby that would be born would be the Son of God. And, 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 and Joseph understands that. And, and he submits to the Lord's will and takes care of Mary. And Joseph was a very noble man, as we see in the Scriptures. And here's an interesting thing about the angelic announcement to Mary and Joseph. In both of those uh, occasions, the angel told them what to name the baby. They both said, name this baby Jesus, which simply means God saves. And so we see angels appearing to Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, then shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. There's an angel that appears. Uh, all of a sudden, they're out there in a field watching over their flock by night, just doing their thing. And all of a sudden, there's an angel there, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel makes the announcement there would be born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then the, the heavens open up, and there's an angelic host singing glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine how awesome that would have been? And they experience this angelic announcement, telling them to go and find the babe who would be born in a manger. And so they go and find the Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then over in Matthew chapter 2, Joseph is encountered again by an angel. And the angel lets him know, listen, Herod is after your son. He wants to kill 
Jesus, and, and he's a, he, he believes Jesus is a rival to his throne, so you need to get out of town. And so, because of the angelic announcement, uh, Joseph gets Mary and Jesus, and they go into Egypt to flee Herod's wrath. And then, in Matthew 2.19, Joseph again is encountered by an angel that says, Hey, you can return now to Israel. Herod is dead. And so, all over the Christmas narrative, we see angels, angelic announcements. What do we get from this? All of heaven's focus was on the birth of Christ. All of heaven's focus was on the birth of Christ. This reminds us, all of these angelic announcements, this reminds us of how important this event was in redemptive history. This was a major part of God's plan to rescue sinners like me and you. That he would send his son. That Jesus would leave the splendor and glory of heaven and take on human flesh so he could suffer and die in our place. And so... This event was so very important that God makes sure His special messengers are everywhere coordinating the logistics of it all. Isn't that awesome? All of heaven's focus is on this event. And so, I want to encourage you to treasure and ponder all of heaven's interest in the birth of Christ. Treasure and ponder all of heaven's interest in the birth of Christ. But there's a second thing I believe Mary was treasuring and pondering. Not only angelic announcements, but humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. Look back in Luke 2, verse 16. It says, They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in what? Manger. Feeding trough. When I was uh, privileged to go with my wife and some folks from this church to, to Israel... Uh, sent by you, what a blessing, last year. We got to actually see some, some mangers from ancient times. You kind of see what these things look like. They're rough. A lot of them are made out of stone. And it, was a, it was a feeding trough for animals. And because there's no room for them in the end, they had to lay their baby somewhere, and they lay Jesus in a manger. Very, very humble beginnings for the King of kings and Lord of lords, wouldn't you say? And as Mary is treasuring and pondering all of these things, surely she's thinking, angels have announced his birth. He is Christ the Lord. He is from the lineage of King David. And yet, here we are in this small, little, unimportant town called Bethlehem. There's not even a house for us to lodge in, an inn for us to lodge in. We have to be out back somewhere where there is a manger. The first visitors were not dignitaries. The first ones to come and see Jesus were shepherds. They were despised by the upper crust of society. They saw them as deceitful and wretched, and people hated shepherds. And yet God sends shepherds as the first witnesses to the birth of Christ, the first ones to come and visit Jesus Christ. The circumstances surrounding the birth of Christ remind us that he had to humble himself to come to us. And I believe that as Mary is treasuring and pondering these things, she is treasuring and pondering the humble circumstances surrounding his birth. The King of kings and Lord of lords has left heaven and come to earth. And what do you see everywhere? Humility! 
And what did it take for Jesus to leave heaven and come to earth? Listen, humility. Can I remind you that for all of eternity, Jesus was was praised and adored and seen as worthy and glorious. With unceasing worship, the angels would cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. His his worth was always valued and treasured in heaven. And he left that. And he stepped down to this earth. And he took on the frailty of humanity, the limitations of humanity, where he knew he would be mocked and maligned and mistreated and beaten. He knew his beard would be plucked from his face. He knew a crown of thorns would be thrust upon his brow. He knew he would be crucified under the weight of the sins of the world, bearing the wrath of God in our place. He left heaven to humble himself to be our Savior. And that's pictured in the Christmas story. Everywhere you look, you see humility, don't you? Humble circumstances surrounding his birth. And so I'm encouraging you today to treasure and ponder the remarkable humility Jesus displayed in coming to earth. Over in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, we ought to humble ourselves before each other the same way Jesus humbled himself for us. And it speaks of him... It speaks of him thinking it not robbery to be equal with God. He is God himself, the second person of the Godhead. And yet, he left heaven. He emptied himself, it says in Philippians 2. He laid aside the rights and prerogatives of deity. And he took on human flesh. And he lived a life of obedience, it says in Philippians. Obedience to the point of death, even death on a cross. No one has ever humbled himself like Jesus. And he humbled himself for you. He didn't have to come. He didn't have to die. Do you remember when he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? Peter draws out his sword and he's going to fight so Jesus is not taken away. And And Jesus says, Peter, put away your sword. Don't you understand? I could call 12 legions of angels to rescue me from this. He chose to humble himself to come. And to humble himself to live among us. And to humble himself by going to the cross and dying for us. Treasure and ponder the remarkable humility Jesus displayed in coming to earth. But I believe there's a third thing that Mary's treasuring and pondering. She's treasuring and pondering angelic announcements. Angels are everywhere in this story. She's treasuring and pondering humble beginnings. But third and last, she's treasuring and pondering majesty in a manger. Majesty in a manger. This little baby, verse 16... She lays in a manger, verse 7. She lays him in a manger. This little baby is, listen, God incarnate. Mary witnessed with her own eyes. She held in her arms God incarnate. And she knew that that one she was placing in a manger was majestic. Was the son of God. And so can you imagine the 
the awesomeness of that moment. Mary, Joseph, shepherds, maybe some other folks that heard the announcement of the shepherds. They come and look at this baby. And from a human perspective, looks like a baby, fully human. And yet this baby who was fully human was also fully God. Majesty in a manger. I love the idea of the incarnation. Jared Wilson writes, Omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, utter eternalness and holiness dwelled in a tiny person. Think about that. That which is infinite became finite as Jesus Christ took on humanity. There's a brief, uh, to give you a brief survey of some wonderful songs of our faith that relay this idea. Some of my favorite songs really focus on the majesty of the manger. For example, there's a song by Matt Papa called, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. It goes like this. Come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the King. He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. The well-known song in Christ alone says, Jesus is fullness of God in helpless babe. Think about that. Fullness of God in helpless babe. Or the well-known Christmas carol, shepherds in the fields abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night. God with man, now residing, yonder shines the infant's light. Or, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased is man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Or oh, I love the way that the hymn Silent Night puts it. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Mary had the awesome privilege to witness God incarnate. And I believe that on this night, she is treasuring and pondering majesty in a manger. One of my favorite scripture references related to this is Colossians 2.9. The Bible says, For in Him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Read that again. In Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And so, my encouragement for you on this Christmas day is to treasure and ponder the mystery of the Incarnation. Will we ever figure that out? No. But we just believe what the Bible says. Amen? Majesty in a manger. Would you today treasure and ponder in your heart the way Mary did the mystery of the Incarnation? So here's the point. Here's what I want you to walk away with. And by the way, if we weren't done in an hour, it was not going to be my fault. My encouragement for you today is treasure the Christmas story 
so that you will more fully treasure Christ. Treasure these things, ponder them in your heart the way Mary did. Angelic announcements, humble beginnings, majesty in a manger, so that you will more fully treasure Christ. Hey, by the way, that's the point of Christmas, amen? That we will treasure Christ, the one who left heaven and took on humanity and lived and died for us. One more quote. J.I. Packer quotes Charles Wesley's words in a hymn. Here are the words. Our God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. And then Packer writes this. Incomprehensibly. We shall be wise to remember this. To shun speculation and contentedly to adore. And my encouragement for you today is that you would contentedly adore your Savior. He's worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your adoration. He's worthy of your allegiance. He's worthy of your surrender. He's worthy of your life. He's worthy of your love. Oh, come let us adore him.